I'm Laura Harper-Lake. And I'm Sarah Reitzman, and you're you're listening listening to Creative Guts. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Creative Guts. If you're new here, welcome. If you've been with us for a while, thanks for coming back. In today's episode, we're talking with Scott Kukler, an Exeter-based photographer. He has done fashion photography in Europe, and he is an alternative processes photographer. And if you're thinking, what the heck is that? Well, tune in because you're going to find out. I'm excited to chat with Scott, so let's jump right into this episode with Scott Kukler. Scott, thanks so much for being on the Creative Guts podcast. I'm really excited you're here. Me too. I'm really excited as well. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I've known you a little bit in and out of the art scene in the Exeter region. Um, as far as uh, meeting you through Art Up Front Street, you come to a lot of events here. It took me a little while to realize you were a creative yourself and a photographer. And when I looked up your work, I was like, you need to come on our podcast right away. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank it's, you. It really is beautiful. Um, I'm a figure artist myself, so I pretty much work mostly in the human form, which is a lot of primarily what you you do from what I've seen online and I just gravitate towards it so much. I also feel like there is this timeless slash vintage vibe with a lot of your work and that is also um, an aesthetic that I am drawn to a lot. Oh thank you. Yeah. I mean I am I'm employing techniques that they don't use anymore. So you work in a dark room correct? Yes I work in an actual analog dark room. Oh that reminds me of in college, I took a few photo classes, alternative processes was one of them. And mm-hmm. so experimenting with like liquid light on dryer sheets to print photos on. I love the world that you're living in. Oh, well, thank you. It looks awesome. Why don't you tell us about your, your craft and how you kind of got started and what your, your history has been with photography? Well, I mean, my history goes way back. I, I started photography, I think in seventh or eighth grade. When the shop teacher like had a small sort of after school class, and that was back in the eighties, so it was the time before the digital renaissance. So I really learned how to develop film and how to print film or you know make prints from film at an early age. So and and once I got started with that, I I continued with it, and I was definitely wanting to be in the arts. I was like really between doing illustration and doing photography. And eventually I decided that photography would be the way that I wanted to go. And so did you pursue that through uh, secondary education? I did go to college. I didn't, I didn't finish the college, but I went for two, two years to what's now Leslie University in Boston. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I was a transplant. I grew up in the Midwest. So I was really wanting to try to um, expand my universe. So I came out here and, and went there for two years after two years, I felt like they were teaching the photography process. And after that, it was like kind of theoretical. And the concept of those, the, 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 um, the main professors at the time was a very like rigid structural, everything has to be like what they call straight photography, where everything is like perfectly square and zone system and all that. And I felt like I had a handle on that, but I, I was really wanting to like sort of expand my, um, my craft in a way. And I was really inspired by an art exhibition I saw at the time. Uh, it was called uh, was Mike and Doug Starn. They're not as well known, but their their work was in a gallery there, and it really gave me the idea that photography could be more than just what we consider conventional 
mirror to the world photography that mm-hmm. you could could it could take it to another level. That's fantastic. So you learned in film and you still shoot in film. Did you ever dabble with digital? Yeah, no, I have. I I mean, I I I did for for a while. I mean, when I was doing the film photography, I I, I moved to Europe. I was in um, Germany for twelve years, except for one year that I lived in Paris. Wow. Doing, but, doing photography as your job? Yes, as a commercial photographer. And that is living the dream. It, it is and it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and why isn't it? Because it, I was self-employed in a foreign country speaking a second language. And, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes things were going really well and sometimes they weren't. And the work that I do is kind of dark and moody. And my main clients were fashion magazines at the time. They only really did dark and moody for the winter session. So oh. I would work throughout the summer as it was getting prepared for the, that. And then after that, there was really nothing for from Christmas till June. And um, at that time, I started working as a um, still photographer for films. And so I was doing that. And I felt like what, what eventually happened was that I did so much of that that I wasn't concentrating on my work as art, which was really important to me. So that's that's when I, I came back to the States and got a normal job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I struggle with that too as a graphic designer, as my day job. I can imagine. And then trying to complement that with the art that I'm pursuing that's really what's true to my heart you know sometimes you just got all the life squeezed out of you at work and it's really hard to put a different hat on and be like I'm going to use a bunch of creativity in this direction and as a compromise I I mean I I have a demanding job now but I do when I have the free time I'm able to do everything to without any commercial viability expectations Mm -hmm. which is important you're making it just for you it is just for me and my wife's like Oh, you know, how much of this stuff do you want to collect? You know, I'm really good at creating it, but I'm not very good at selling myself or trying to get yeah. get it out there, unfortunately. That's hard. We were having a conversation recently about that, like artists self-promoting, artists putting it out there, you know. Was that a struggle for you when you were in the commercial photography world, pushing yourself to getting those jobs? Yes and no. I mean, it was, but it's one thing if you're going to a client and you're making something that's for them, as opposed to putting your heart and soul in some into your work and putting it together and going to a gallery and having your work shot down after 20, 30 times that you can get a little bit despondent and you need a little bit of a break. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, getting jobs was okay, you know, and sometimes were better than worse, but the jobs that I really liked the best that made the uh, struggle for the the ones that I didn't like so much or having to go through and do them all that much better. Mm-hmm. Will you talk a little bit about working with human models? Because between doing commercial where you're doing fashion photography and now you have a lot of figures in your photography, I imagine it's not always super easy to work with, um, you know, human people models. Well, yes and no. I mean, <laughs> it's funny because I, I found that I've, I'm better off photographing people who aren't models. Are, Interesting. You know, because models, like, generally have their pose repertoire down and do things that are more conventional. There's, of course, exceptions of people who are really expressive. But generally, like, I work with anybody who will pose for me. 
And, you know, within the last five years or so, I've really been trying to expand it. I'm working with, uh, I've photographed people who are physically handicapped. I've photographed for the first time in this year, men, which was really a big, big change and and transsexual and, 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 uh, any, you know, I'm really trying to expand my, my world that way. And, and I definitely support LGBTQ rights and women's rights and, and everybody's rights. So I felt that the best way that I could do that is to include them in my work. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. I actually similarly uh, focused on um, ethnic diversity in my uh, Adrift the Surface uh, mm-hmm. series. I really wanted to not just paint white people because that's boring. <laughs> and and yeah. But I feel like, you know, you paint what you know, and I'm, I'm used to mixing the colors for my skin tone because I've practiced it a bunch. But why is that the case? You know, why... Why not try to expand and push yourself and and represent all people? And I, I, it was such a great thing that I don't ever intend on not doing that. No, sure. I mean, it was the same. I mean, when my when I was in high school, I remember one time I came home and my mom said, "You know, it'd be really okay if you came home with a nice black girl. I would be all fine with it." <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "Mom, we live in Norwalk, Iowa. There there aren't any." Yeah. You know? so. <laughs> It's awesome she said that, though, I guess. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what draws you in your personal pursuit of art to the human form? Because uh, I'm drawn to that, too. So I'm curious, you know, why do you love capturing that so much? I mean, I think that's that's like the nude human form, I think, is the full expression of the soul. Mm-hmm. And, and as soon as, you know, you put any kind of clothes in it, it sort of it, it it always like sexualizes as the person. Like you'll notice, like if you ever look at a Playboy magazine or whatever, no centerfold is ever completely nude. They're always wearing some garter or some sort of like clothing to do that. And I felt like you know if you if you have a really purely nude person, there's no barrier as far as them being able to hide from the camera or to 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 play some sort of a role. It mm-hmm. takes that role away. It becomes like a really a one-on-one interaction. I love that. That's really interesting. Yeah. I don't illustrate any of my nude figures with clothing either, and I've never thought about it. So that's interesting because I wonder if that's maybe something I've thought in the back of my, like subconsciously had in the back of my head. And so how do you find a lot of your models? Um, I'd say half and half, half to the time they find me, people who like show interest in posing for me. And other times it's people that I meet and I are, are on Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. I see somebody whose work I, I like that I feel like I could find some sort of a connection with and I'll approach them. But quite often it's people come to me and ask me to, to be in my photos. That's really cool. Yeah. That must feel like an honor. Oh, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? No, it, it is an honor. Yeah. Absolutely. And and it's always a collaborative effort. It's, you know, I always, I don't really consider them my photos. I consider them our photos because the, whoever's posing for me is just as involved in it as I am. Yeah. My, so grow, my dad was a stock photographer and he used model Ham a lot to find models. Um, and so I feel like I should have like a zillion questions. <laughs> Sarah, for for you and for folks at home, Sarah was in a lot of stock photography. So you've had oh, experience really? with modeling. You, yeah. Oh, so you were the guinea pig for your dad? <laughs> I was the guinea pig a lot. Um, my dad had a pet rat that was also his, uh, his guinea pig for photos a lot. My brother was in a lot of photos. Yeah. I had a lot of boyfriends in photos, so they're still out there sort of in the world. Various guys I dated. <laughs> yeah, wow. 
<laughs> um, and then he found some models on Model Mayhem, and some of them were just like random people. Yeah. Uh, someone who went to school with my brother. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But I know from that experience that models are not always super cooperative. And I remember him complaining a lot about some of those stories. Oh, I mean, it actually bothers my wife, Holly, more than me when what model's like supposed to show up and doesn't. And I'm like, oh, well, then let's go do something else, you know? And she's like, gets all angry. And I'm like, well, you know, it's, I feel like you have to expect the unexpected with that. Yeah. And I don't know, model mayhem. I did use that for a while, but it's not very often, actually. Yeah, for people who aren't aware, model mayhem is a site where like photographers can have profiles and models can have profiles and they connect on that site. And that's how, you know, you connect to do a, a photo shoot. Yeah, I have a page, but I haven't, I think I have no activity in a couple of years over it, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I'm really drawn to the way that you separate the categories of photographs on your website. So your website has animal, mineral, vegetable, flesh and bone, mummified, masonry, geothermal. I don't know how to say this next word. Nyctophilia. Oh, me either. Yeah, I know exactly which one you're on. <laughs> Nyctophilia. And what does that mean? That means the uh, sort of, it's the being drawn to the darkness. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, in that particular series, those are f photographed in the middle of the night with uh, long time exposures, often with like half to full moon. Wow. So the, the, all the light is, is either moonlight or maybe a little bit ambient light, but those are over taken over like a minute or two minutes, some of them, some of them longer. That is so cool. That is just stunning. That's what I've been using the digital camera for mm -hmm. because it renders it better than it could be done on film. So I, I did find a use for it. And that's that series I did start with the digital camera. These series are just so cool. The way you've split them up, I think, is such a great, unique approach to it. Is there uh, one that you lean to most? Is it is it animal? Is it the human form? Or, or are you sort of... Oh, they're all my children. They're all your babies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know what you mean. I do watercolors and oils and sculpture and printmaking and photography. And it's hard to say, like, if you're just into one discipline more than the other. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm especially proud of the Mummified series. Mm -hmm. That one was that was for a magazine. And I brought the magazine with it. It uh, was a um, fantasy, couldn't be better photo assignment I've ever had. So can you walk us through what these are? Are these, what What are these? Because they look real. Are they real? They're real. They're real mummified bodies. And where did you access these? Well, can I start at the beginning? Absolutely. Yeah. There, <laughs> there was a, uh, it's a design magazine in Munich called HQ. And there was a pretty famous designer who curated this magazine. And it was almost like an exhibition every time. He would have like a theme for the magazine. And each time the theme would, he would have different artists like illustrate that or use their work as illustrations for it. And um, I'd come in and I'd develop this new printing technique that I showed you earlier. He um, looked at my prints and he told me about his magazine and he said, you know, what it was and asked me, well, what do you have for an idea? The, um, the current theme is, is called Resta, which means leftovers. Oh. And I said, I have the perfect idea. <laughs> And I'd been seeing this this um, catacomb in, in Palermo, Sicily. Some uh, news magazines had, had done a few features about it. And there's thousands of, of mummified bodies that are standing in a row, like on, on walls there that have been mummified by the monks. And this magazine hired me to go there and do a photo series of that. 
Wow. Once that series was done, I think it was eight photos or so. Um, I had all this work from it and I made a larger series of these and did these with alternative print process. And um, the majority of them are on canvas, like uh, canvas treated with like what is you would know as liquid light yep. like you were doing, but it's a, it's a self-made process oh, really? onto canvas. And um, they're four by six feet about. They're really large prints. Wow. And then toned. They kind of have a leathery, wrinkly feel like like the mummies themselves yeah so i'm, I'm especially proud of that <laughs> does this collection live somewhere that people could see or is it just in the magazine oh, was that a, a st- pun <laughs> it was not intentional and probably in bad taste if it would be <laughs> well it does have a good story behind it or or have a good story about it let's yes, say yeah. because um yes they they're in the magazine but the series itself, you know, they're four by six and they're on canvas. So they're all rolled together in like a big roll and then this sort of duffel bag. And when I got together with my wife, Holly, and she moved into the house, I said, well, you know, I, the big closet is in the bedroom. I said, you can have the entire closet. I'll move out and I'll use the closet in the hallway. You can have this whole closet, but I need to keep the mummies in the in there. <laughs> And she said, you know, she was like, okay, and whatever. And and she was talking to her daughter a few weeks later. And she's like, well, Scott said, you know, I could have the big closet, but he says that I have to keep these mummies in there. And her daughter said, mom. And at that point, she realized that they were photographs of mummies (laughs) in this duffel bag, not an actual mummy. Holly sounds very understanding. (laughs) You have to say, yeah. (laughs) I've met her. She's awesome, too. So uh, you guys are an awesome couple. Uh, um, Does Holly have any creative pursuits? And if so, you know, how does that work as a multi-creative couple? I mean, she would claim not, but to be honest, she's very creative. Yeah? Yes. She, like, um, had us tear out all of the furniture in the toilet and stuff in the bathroom, and she put down a penny floor that <gasps> oh, we, we did over. Oh, those so online. Like, when people do those, those are stunning. Yeah, that was, that was you know, I thought pretty creative, considering yeah. we couldn't use a bathroom for three days. But, <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, she made, made um, the... Uh, a table at our house. She took the um, all of our fortune cookie fortunes that we've collected, and and put them on there ah. and shellacked over it. And it's so she's she is very creative. And honestly, like when I go through my photos, I ask her opinion quite a bit, and she's very good with helping me set up exhibitions and very like yeah no she's an important part of my creative process oh, that's got, wonderful yes i want to see this penny floor are there pictures of it on facebook <laughs> yes yes there are i'll send, i'll text you one later okay yes. <laughs> i have a weird interesting question okay holly is super cool so i think it makes sense and i think i know the answer but was she at all weirded out about you photographing nudes not really I mean, Which surprisingly not. Yeah. You know, I mean, she, she's she been actually pretty good about it. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of like from the beginning understood. Because, I mean, I met her and, and we were chatting and, and she's like, well, how can we get in touch with each other? And I said, well, you can friend me on Facebook. And so I pulled up my Facebook page and, and my banner was this like exotic n- nude Naked model. Lady, yeah. Yes, and she's like, who is that? And she's like, what do you want with me? And I'm like... <laughs> 
So no, she's been very open about it. And, you know, we've had sometimes when, um, I would photograph with a, a friend from New York that would come up every, you know, every summer for a few years, we would have like four or five models in the house and they'd be running around completely naked and she would, <laughs> she was a very good sport about it, yeah. you know? So. That's great. I don't feel like everyone would always be that way. Um, cause my first new drawing class, I was so nervous. Like, what if they see me looking at them? Like, that's the point. But that was, you know, I was very, uh, you know, sheltered girl in Western Maine. I just didn't ever, I mean, that wasn't a part of something I would see or know. And when I was in college, it scared the heck out of me. And now it's, you know, the main thing I'm drawn to is the human form and particularly nude. And it's just a very commonplace everyday thing for me now. And, but for some people it's like my family still makes jokes about it. My mom and sister, they just don't quite get, why do you want to draw naked people? And it's, it's just interesting. Some people aren't uh, getting it. I mean, I don't think my parents ever really got it. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, Holly's a pretty open-minded person and and we have a really close relationship, so it it's not ever been an issue, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, she's also really good at, like, helping me find people. And she's, like, approached people and said, oh, this she would be good or he would be good for your photos <laughs> and, and suggested people and suggested that they pose for me. So, no, I mean, that, that that's not an issue at all. Yeah. Getting her to pose for me is another thing together though i mean (laughs) is she she against that completely not at all she's been in a few of my photos but she doesn't like being photographed which is terrible because i I, you know i have some very beautiful photos of her but she's very beautiful i I think she's a very striking woman yeah (laughs) (laughs) that she is (laughs) my uh my husband's a painter and we have a collection of ones that he did specifically in a painting class in college in the basement because I kind of have like an upper limit of how many nude paintings I can have on my walls. I don't have (laughs) that many walls and they're all really good because he's super talented, but I just don't think I can have like 10 (laughs) in my like very limited space. (laughs) And he would have 10, you say? Uh, He definitely would not. No, he doesn't like it when people look at his art. He's very, uh, he's very weird about that kind of thing. Oh, that's too bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not about self-promotion, I would say. No, No. he's the opposite of a self-promoter. He's like, (laughs) he's probably going to be upset that I just called him a painter. Oh, oh no. <laughs> no. No, no, no. I'm not a painter. I'm not a painter. I've okay. just I've just painted a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you can't escape it in our house. I mean, it's about half of them are Yeah, nudes. I yeah. bet, yeah. <laughs> it's time for a short break. Here's a word from our sponsors. Bonjour, Vinny, my dear friend. You look trace sad. Well, Claude, I've lost my inspiration and artistic motivation. I need to find a place that could give me joy. Say no more. In my humble opinion, Art of Front Street Studios and Gallery in Exeter, New Hampshire is the best place to find colorful and divine artwork. Have you heard of it? No, but I'm all ears. What is this place of wonder you speak of? It is a collection of nine artists who have a gallery and studio in the building with a flower mural on it. And you know how I love flowers. You can walk amongst the artist studios, learn what inspires them, and if you're so inclined, purchase a whole variety of work, including paintings, prints, cards, sculptures, fabrications, jewelry, and even more. I feel happy, joy, alive. Just hearing about Art of Front Street has rejuvenated me. Where can I learn more? Visit 
www.arthurfrontstreet.com or follow them on Facebook or Instagram. They are truly a treasure to behold. And back to the interview now. Um, I'm curious about the um, colors of your works, and I am totally especially film, totally film naive. So I don't know if it's the like process or if it's uh, the material that you're printing on, but you definitely have some uh, black and whites and you also have some full color photos. And then you have a lot of stuff that's in between, particularly in the the flesh and bone series is the one I'm looking at right now yep. where there's sort of some interesting colors. Yeah, no, that's, those are, are, um, conventionally processed black and white prints on what's called fiber-based paper. And um, they're toned afterwards and, and various things, and including like things like drain cleaner and Kool-Aid and <laughs> Earl Grey tea. Um, that's, you know, that's some stuff that dyes it. And then, you know, there's also uh, different kinds of reductive toners that I use. So it's like they go, once the print is made, they go through at least three or four different baths after that till they're finally done. And that's what causes those colors. Huh. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like a fun exploration. I mean. Yeah. Just... Rose loves it because they smell like cherry, you know, <laughs> like the, the red ones anyway. <laughs> those are the Kool-Aid ones. Yes. <laughs> I like some of them, particularly the sort of turquoisey ones look a lot like x-rays. Yeah. That's yeah. a, that's like a blue toner. Yeah. That's, those were a series I did of skulls that I collected skulls and bones and stuff that cool. So you and Don are best friends, right? Because she's got so many yeah, bones no, and beautiful little things. And, yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> should we, we have, we have like rivaling bone collections. <laughs> <laughs> I love the double exposure pieces as well. What are you shooting on for this uh, traditional and alternative processes photography? Do you have a lot of different cameras or do you kind of have like a one trusty go-to? I have like way too many cameras. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an obsession gone terribly wrong. I've, those are, I have like, uh, those are uh, the bone photos. Are actually, I'd say about half the photos are done on four by five inch cameras, mm -hmm. which are the kind with the bellows in between that you put the hood over your head and stuff. You get to wear a cape. <laughs> like, you know, have a cape on and you have like a little monocle that you look through and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I, and I have several versions of that, that, and I'm right now I'm trying to make one. There's one that is a set up to do really close up photos. It has like a close up lens. That's like a copy stand camera. So I have, I have a bunch, I have like a lot of cameras and <sighs> I really like, you know, the larger format ones. Absolutely. Yeah. We had another photographer, Rob Brown, who, who does medium format, like, and he appreciates that you get one kind of shot, you know, it's not like a di you can take, you know, 2000 photos with a digital camera, whereas film is very, uh, it's more thoughtful Yeah, in it, a way. It is and it isn't. I mean, there were people in the in the 80s and stuff that would shoot like 100 rolls of film for oh, fashion really? photos. I, <laughs> I was like sort of in between that. I, I, I shoot a lot and I'm, I'm very quick with the 4x5. I can shoot like, like a plate a minute. Oh, wow. You know, or, or faster. Mm -hmm. But that could get really expensive, especially since it's like about $2 a shot for the film itself. Wow. So, But it's like trying to get that deliberateness and then the spontaneity. And I mean, what, what attracts me to photography is the unknown, like the unexpected comes up. That's what, what I like the best is, you know, it, when you're drawing or painting, you're, it's very deliberate. And I'm sure there's different artists that have like sort of like a, a Jackson Pollock where they sort of control it, but they don't. Mm -hmm. And 
photography is one where, where the unexpected can come in. And that's what I really like, especially with the time exposures and, and with my printing technique to, you know, see what comes out when I put it in the drain cleaner or whatever is, is exciting to me. Do you do any other kind of visual art as in, are you drawn to drawing or graphic design or, or printmaking or anything else? Not really. I mean, I, you know, I was, I was dabbling in some sculpture stuff. I'm not ready to show it, but I, you know, it's sort of conceptual sculptures that I really am into, but definitely photography. I did learn drawing like you with the nude models when yep. I was in, in high school and, and my first year in college. And I, and I do, I'm drawn to that. I can appreciate it, but it's not something that I pursued further. So, and, and if you don't use it, you lose it. And I probably have lost quite a bit of my <laughs> skill in that, you know? Well, we have figure drawing sessions usually once a month at Art at Front Street. So you're always welcome to come and try again if you are interested. Yeah, no, I, I, I've, I've thought about it a few yeah. times. Yeah, oh, we'll hope to see you at one <laughs> yeah. sometime. They're really fun. We alternate every, we try to do it every month. Sometimes it's every other month, but we alternate between the male and female form typically awesome. um, to just to get a variety. We try to mix up the models a bit. Um, it is hard to find models though sometimes. So, um, but hey, if you know of some, you let, let me Rose know. pays pretty well. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> I definitely will. will put that, that out. That would there. be great, actually. I'm in charge of finding the models, so okay, more more diversity the better, <laughs> as far as who's in there. Yeah, no, I can definitely help you there. Good, good. Um, I'm right now. I'm looking at the animal section on your website, and I'm really drawn to the photographed pieces that are very abstracted. It's like a body part in a mass of, you know, very high contrast, like surrounded by dark. And then there's like a piece of the human form that I can't fully figure out what it is. And what I think is really fun about the human form is how representational it can be and then how much, how much abstraction you can get from it. And it feels like you're playing with that a lot. I, yeah, more and more. And I've in the last years gotten away from that more. And I, I was called out by a friend recently and I, and I definitely want to start taking those risks again mm -hmm. because that's, that's the unexpected happening again, where you can make these close up photos that are like, you can't really tell whether it's a head or a foot or whatever. Yeah. And, yes. But it's still, I'm just so drawn in. It's still striking. I know it's part, a body part. I just can't quite place what. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I like that. Um, how do you stay motivated to keep on uh, finding inspiration for new things and new series? Oh, I'm, I'm like, don't ever have to really work at being inspired. It's more of being able to schedule the time to do it. I always have like five irons in the fire. And then it's like, I have, I have my job and between my job and my relationship and keeping a house and all that stuff, I schedule it where I can to create the work that I have in mind. So I have like a backlog. I don't really, really ever seek that out because I always have like three things ahead of me that I'm so excited to do or that are sort of halfway done, especially with the film. Like I'll take film and it'll sit there for three months and then I'll print it and then there'll be a lot of time in between and then I'll, I'll tone that. And then in the meantime, I've made more photos. So it's an ongoing process. I always like, it's continuous. I don't really feel like that. It's more like trying to schedule the amount of time. Cause when you're doing, when I'm in the dark room, I can't go in the dark room for an hour and do something. I have to have like several hours block right. set aside to really create anything. I feel you there. It's hard to <laughs> find all the time for everything that you want to do. 
Um, you have been doing this for quite a while and you've been working in so many different kinds of processes, especially alternative processes. Have you ever taught or thought about teaching? Yeah. I mean, I've thought about it. Yeah. I'm probably not a very good teacher because I expect people to think like I do, which is, is unrealistic. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, Holly says that I'm too impatient to be a good teacher, you know, (laughs) like I'm like, come on, let's, you know, I just explained that to you. So I don't know. And I spend a lot of time in my own head. So it's kind of hard to really like to break out of that. And Mm -hmm. I'm, and I, and there are so many people that are much better teachers that will take people one step at a time through the process. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, you know, telling people the shortcuts or telling people like, you know, are talking about things in a way that, that often people can even like comprehend. Like there were, was a, a photo group that I went to and all of these people were older than me, like maybe in their sixties or so. And they're all talking about their uh, digital photography and, and what they're doing in the digital photography. And I'm like, well, you know, I work with large format cameras and do alternative process printing and uh, all their eyes glazed over not knowing really <laughs> what I'm talking about. So I don't know if I could really teach that. Yeah. You know? Well, hopefully if, if folks were interested, it would be in a setting where they would understand what they're getting into. Like I, I would love to know how you do it, all of what you do. Like I took, you know, like a photo one class and then I kind of shot ahead, even though I was uh, a painting art major, um, I shot ahead past photo two and three and got right into alternative processes. And uh, I just loved it. I, it was so fun. And uh, the only reason it wasn't pursued in life is just because the expense and accessibility to a dark room and chemicals and all that stuff. I couldn't really figure out how to where to access that or find it in my life. And I just am really jealous of like what you do. I think it's so fun. Well, you have to come and see my dark room. It's like, yeah. When I designed and built it in my basement, I'm like, I wanted a big dark room. Like it's has a couch in it and everything it's like you know i don't i don't want to be cooped up in a closet i want like some elbow i'm a big guy so i want like a big room you know (laughs) need some elbow room there (laughs) now if i could only find one where i could stand up everywhere i go because i'm also tall yeah (laughs) in uh more recent years have you been focused on displaying your work i have not the last few years unfortunately i've been I've been neglecting that part, you know, been more like engaged in creating it and putting stuff together. Is that something you're interested in maybe getting back into showing your work? Absolutely. It's a trade-off though. If you, if I put my energy into showing my work, then I'm not going to be able to invest that time into creating it, Mm -hmm. which is, there's always a devil's trade-off. I honestly, I mean, considering the time that I have free, I'm pretty prolific and I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm creating a lot of stuff and I'm always like, well, I'll go and show this around once I have this project done. Yeah. Yeah. And and then, <laughs> well, this, well, maybe it would be better if I had more of this work. So, yeah. you know, no, I, I do want to. And it's also hard because I don't feel like it, it's something that, that is well received locally. I don't know how local people are really, you know, honestly taking it, you know, small town and Mm -hmm. their nude photos. And so, you know, I think in in this environment here at Art Up Front Street, it's, it's easier, you know? Yes. But in general, like, you know, I think that I have to find an audience and fortunately, like through Instagram and Facebook and stuff, I found like an audience that's worldwide, which helps too, but it's not like, uh, gallery space. Yeah. I feel like 
perhaps in a larger city, you know, Boston and New York, you know, you're definitely, you're going to be able to feel more comfortable that there will be an audience that's definitely going to be into it. I mean, it's, it's just awesome stuff, but yeah, in, in, uh, you know, Exeter and Portsmouth, you know, it's, there's alternative artwork and then there's, you know, more traditional and a lot of people are, um, I think, uncomfortable with the human form they get embarrassed and you know the way i was brought up was like you don't show off your skin you don't and and or it's automatically associated with sexuality or automatically associated with like sin or you know and it's and it's not but we there's this social perception of that i think sometimes sure but i i I don't think that there's much of my work that doesn't make people uncomfortable. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's part of the part of the deal. Yeah. It is kind of interesting ending up in New Hampshire of all places after, you know, shooting commercial photography in Europe. How how did you pick end up in Exeter? Well, I really like it. <laughs> I mean, that's I was, a really good reason. Yeah. When I was abroad I, and, I, and I came back to the States, I was like, where do I want to live? And I don't have family here or anything, but I really love the ocean and I love the, the coastline in Maine and New Hampshire. And I love this, that we're, that it's sort of rural, but it's not backwoodsy. Yes. It's a kind of the perfect environment for me to feel comfortable. I, I can drive around and I don't have stress from a lot of traffic and there's a lot of trees and nature and, you know, the people are nice. Yeah, I, I chose it because of that. And, you know, now that, that Holly's here, she's local. I feel like I've, you know, developed roots. So That's great. It's, it's such a good place. So I wholeheartedly agree. I think uh, we're probably going to shift into rapid fire, but I didn't know if there was any pieces you wanted to pull out to specifically talk about. Oh, I don't know. I mean, you had brought a really big case of very (laughs) awesome work and I selfishly just want to look at it. (laughs) But unfortunately, you folks can't see it. Yeah, that's uh, I just wanted to show you so that you had an idea that what you see on the website pales in comparison to what what the actual work in person. Yeah, in person, like there's like a texture to them that isn't transferable to the digital thing mm-hmm. so and that that's unfortunate that's the thing that is important about showing it in the real world is that you know it needs to breathe and have some life yeah. that people actually you know it's it's work that you want to touch with your hands well hopefully you do soon and when you do we will post about it on creative guts oh yeah. absolutely yeah, <laughs> um i think it's now time for rapid fire questions so what's your favorite color? Deep blue. Favorite smell? Holly. Oh, my oh God. Oh, man. My heart is breaking in happiness. <laughs> uh, favorite taste? Chocolate. Oh. Favorite sound? Oh, boy. Silence. That's a great answer. <laughs> I bet there's a lot of that in the darkroom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> favorite texture? Oh, that's a tough one. I'd say um, dragon roll. What? Dragon roll. Is that a plant? No, it's a uh, sushi. Oh, I don't know. I don't know sushi at all. <laughs> it sounds like a, you know, fern or something. That's the second time we've gotten sushi as an answer for yeah. favorite texture. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, I, I don't eat. That's What's the fish in Dragon Roll? It's shrimp. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's so funny. That wasn't a rapid fire question. Um, <laughs> favorite museum or exhibit you've ever visited? Um, the Isabella Stewart Gardner, as far as anything that's local. I really love that museum. Nice. Uh, what other artists have influenced you the most? 
I'd say Mike and Doug Starn were my biggest influence. Edward Weston, um, you know, ironically, uh, Mark Rothko, Jackson Pollock, they're a big influence as well. What's the most inspiring location you've ever traveled to? I would say um, Kenya. Yeah, the Rift Valley in Kenya was the most beautiful place I've ever been. That sounds beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Gomera was pretty beautiful too, but but Rift Valley in in in, in Kenya was the most beautiful. Uh, and this will be our clincher question. Um, and by the way, I just want to say, very good job with the rapid fire. Most people go on and on, and they have a hard time saying one word, you know, short, succinct answers. And you've been one of our star guests for that. You just ruined it. Yeah, I know. I should have drawn it out a bit or what. I'll, I'll, don't worry. I'm editing it. I'll, I'll cut out that. Um, but here is the clincher. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, boy. I would say that stick it out. That would, that would have been the best advice that I could have given myself. Very good. Very A plus job not talking with your hands too. You were not kidding. Yeah, no, I'm. You haven't hit this at all. No, I've been like <laughs> hand wringing here, you know? <laughs> um, I want to say thank you so much for coming and talking with us and sharing your process and how you started and just what drives you. I find it very fascinating. Uh, alternative processes in photography is one of my favorite things to view um, of art. And so I'm just, I'm re- I feel really lucky that you're in the area and we got to talk to you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. You guys having me. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and so with that, show, show us, us your, your creative, creative guts. Thank you so much, Scott, for being on the Creative Guts podcast. I am just enamored with his work. I love the human form. I think that's been well established many times. But I think alternative processes is one of the most creative ways in which to express it. And I'm completely jealous of his darkroom and his experience and everything that he has done artistically has really just connected with my soul. It's always fun for me to get way out of my comfort zone and talk with someone whose craft is something that I understand so little about. So thank you, Scott, for coming and teaching. (laughs) If you want to check out uh, Scott's work, you can find him on the web, scott-kukler.format.com, which we will link in our Facebook page. And you should check him out on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Cheshire Scott and Instagram, Instagram.com backslash Cheshire Scott. And as per usual, to make your life easier, we'll have all those links and more on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Creative Guts Podcast. Our Instagram handle is Creative Guts Podcast. So if you're not already there, go find us. And our website is CreativeGutsPodcast.com. Also new in 2020 we'll be sharing promotional content from our sponsors. If you would like to sponsor Creative Guts, please contact us via the website or Facebook. Thanks for tuning in to Creative Guts. We'll have a new episode for you next Wednesday. Engaged in creating it and putting stuff together. Get oh. massive bad points for that. Sorry. <laughs> Aren't you a producer or something? <laughs> Which we will link in our Facebook page. And you should check him out on Facebook. Facebook.com. <laughs> <laughs>